So, thank you everybody for tuning in. Last week we left off um, an introduction. We began with our introduction into the Birkat Hamazon. This is a shira tefillah of um, of Jewish liturgy, and we've completed the sidur of Cho, the the weekday sidur and the Shabbat sidur. And now we're now we're exploring some of the um, now we're exploring some of the other tefillot, which are not part of the typical uh, section of the Machzor. So, last week we explored the history of Birkat Hamazon and the early history, that is, and a lot of the questions that swirl around the early history as to how early it could have been the, the first languages of Birkat Hamazon could have been composed, whether it's the first bracha, the second bracha, third bracha, or the fourth bracha, and we basically introduced those historical and uh, theological concepts. Tonight, we are going to start with the text of the Birkat Hamazon itself. But in order to do that, we still get stuck before we can begin the first bracha. Because before what is called Birkat Hazan, there is one more piece of introductory liturgy called the Zimun, or as the Gemara itself calls it, Birkat Hazimun. So the Birkat Hazimun is a uh, ritual which we'll discuss in just a minute. But before we do that, anybody who opens a Sidor will notice, or a Birkat Hamazon will notice, that before Zimun, there is yet even more added to the introduction of Zimun. So let's first look at those introductions, at least for the Ashkenazim. And we're going to get to the Avaracha of the Sfaradim later, because that's where it belongs. But the introduction of the Ashkenazim is that typically, if you open an Ashkenaz uh, Birkat Hamazon, they introduce the Zimun with either with a uh, Perak Tilim of Al Naharot Bavel or Shir Hamalot Bishuv Hashemet Shivat Zion. That would be either a Kuf uh, Lamid Zayin in Tilim or a Kuf Chaf Vav in Tilim. Now, not everybody does this. It's not strictly obligatory. It's simply an old minhag. So the question is, where does this come from? And does this have anything to do with Zimun at all? So the first testimony to this practice that I am aware of is in the Shla, in the Shnei Luchot Habrit, in, uh, uh, in Shah Haot Yot Siman Kuf, which is really uh, Kiddushan, Kiddushat Ha'achila, where the Shla brings an interesting Zohar. And the Zohar says in Chelek Bet Kufnun Zayin Bet as follows. He says that when a person eats his meal and he's uh, receiving enjoyment from that meal, it would be appropriate for him to also remember the Churban Habayit. And I'll just read you the language of the Zohar before us. Mandit Adan al Patore, a person who is um, taking delight on his table, uh, meaning while eating. Metanag. And he's enjoying his foods. He should remember and worry for the holiness of the Holy Land. And for the, the uh, abode of the, the, the king, the, the, God, the Hashem, which was destroyed. And for that sadness which he meditates upon, which he is, uh, you know morning during his meal, while he is rejoicing, meaning a person who is having a lovely meal should also in the back of his mind uh, meditate on the Churban Habayit. Hashem will consider it as if that person who had these meditations um, built his Beit HaMikdash. And he would uh, rebuild all of those uh, destruct uh, parts of the Mikdash which were destroyed spiritually, and that person is very fortunate. That is the language of the Zohar. And says the Shla that for this reason we have the Minhag that we mention the Churban Habayit before we begin, we begin Birkat Hamazon. And specifically our Minhag is to say Al Naharot Bavel during the weekday. But on, which speaks about the greatest tragedy of the exile, of the, of the exile after the, the second destruction. And the, well, even the first, but, and the other, um, 
The other one, the Shir Hamal B'Shu Hashem doesn't speak about the, the Galut because it's inappropriate to speak about the, the Galut and the Churban and to remember the Churban Abayit on Shabbat. And therefore, instead, we speak about Geula. And we say, which is a Shir Hamalot, which is a prophecy of the future Geula, which Klai Yisrael will experience. For this reason, there are various Minhagim. Some people will, especially because this Minhag was recorded so recently, only in the only roughly 450 years ago was it first recorded, many variant customs have arisen because it was never seen as strictly obligatory. Some people don't say it at all. Some people, and the Mr. Brewer Paskins this way, will only say uh, uh, the Al Narot Bavel on a day where there is Tachnun. But if there is no Tachnun, then they won't say Al Narot Bavel, and instead they will say Shir Amal B'Shum Hashem you know, you have all these, uh, some people will always say Shir Hamalot, and some people won't say either. So they're variant minhagim because this minhag is fairly recent. Uh, if for the Shla was testifying to it, then it seems that in Europe, uh, already in the 1600s, this was a known minhag. However, the Svaradim did not know of it. So that is the story behind uh, this these additions, they are Kabbalistic in nature, and they belong to the Ashkenaz Minhag of the Birkat Amazon for Kabbalistic reasons. Okay, let's move forward. The Birkat Azimun. This section of our Sidur is called by the Gemara itself a Bracha. And what is it and where do we know it from? So the first record that we have of the Birkat Azimun is most likely in the Tosefta because that was uh, redacted a little bit earlier than the Mishnah. But the Mishnah itself takes the Chiyuv of Zimun for granted. It takes the existence and the obligation of doing Zimun completely for granted, as if everybody knows what it is, and this is a part of the Torah, and we're just going to discuss the Halachot. But where does it come from? How do we know that we have to do Zimun? Where does the Chiyuv come from? So luckily, we have the Gemara to help us, and we have the Rishonim to get, who get a little bit more technical. So let's start with the Gemara itself from Daf Memhei Amud Aleph in Brachot. I hope to share my screen. Give me a second here. Let's see, 45A. Uh, here we go. Sorry for everybody listening to the recording, but such is the re- reality of Zoom. Okay. So says the Mishnah in Brachot So the seventh parak of Brachot begins with the deals with much of the Chiyuve Zimun. The halachic technicalities, how many people say what, if you're allowed to split up, can women do it, can Avadim do it, all of the, many of the uh, problems and the halachic discussion of Zimun exists in the seventh parak here of Brachot. So now the, the Mishnah continues with Achal Demai, Maseri Shon, all the things about what you ate and what you would be chayv to be mezamein on. Let's skip a little bit down here to the Gemara. The Gemara says, Minahanimili. How do we know this? <clears throat> how do we know that the, the obvious question would be, how would we know that we have to do Zimun? Amar Ravasi Damar Kra. Ravasi says, the Pasuk says, Gatlula Hashem iti unromema shimo yachtav. Make Hashem's name great with me, and let's exalt his name together. So the Achronim explain <clears throat> that what's going on here is very simple. The Gemara later on, in the discussion of, uh, in the discussion of Birkat HaMazon, already brings a Pasuk, uh, I think it's Uverachta, it brings for, uh, to teach us the Chiyuv of Zimun. So the source for the simple obligation, we already have a pasuk for. What the Gemara here is asking is, how do I know I need three people? Therefore, it brings this pasuk in particular, because this pasuk must be speaking about a situation where there are at least three people, because the speaker is saying in the plural, Gadlula Hashem, you, the, you plural people, should praise Hashem iti with me. So that's at minimum three people. Right? If you're speaking to, to someone else in the plural, that means there's at least two other people. Gadula Hashemiti, 
Uniroma Mashim Oyachtav. Rabbi Abahu, Amar Mehachar, Rabbi Abahu says similarly from a different Pasu, Kieshem Hashem Ekra, when I call Hashem's name, Havu in plural, Godel Elokeinu, give greatness to Hashem's name. Now, despite the Gemara on Memchet Amudbet bringing a Pasuk from the Torah for Zimun, and the Gemara here bringing two Pasukim, one from Nach and one from the Torah, the Rishonim uh, take it for granted, at least the vast majority of Rishonim take it for granted that based on a couple of uh, areas in the Gemara where they have proof for this, that the Zimun is not a mitzvah mitoraita. They take it for granted that it is a chiyuv de Rabbanan, and the, they take it for granted that it is a chiyuv mit Rabbanan, and all the pesukim that are brought are what's called an asmachta, and a, a type of pasuk, which, uh, a type of uh, inference, which they're using just to lean, it's a support for the rabbinic law, but it is not the source of a biblical law. That is called an asmachta, and this happens very often. There's a lot of proof for this on Memchet Amubet based on how the Tanaim construct their sources for the Zimun. So it's taken for granted by many of the Rishonim that the Zimun is a Dirabanan. However, the Tosefta, at least a, a very popular Girsav, the Tosefta says, Birkat zimun, zimun mina Torah. It says straight up, it says that Birkat zimun is from the Torah, as it says, Vechalta and it splits up the Pasuk um, into different ways to show you how Uverachta means the, the Chiv of Zimun. And that is how the Ravad held. Uh, of all of the Rishonim, the Ravad was a Dat Yachid. He believed that the Zimun was a Doraita. But Lahalacha, most of the Rishonim and the post scheme, the Rashba, the Tur, the Rash, all hold that, that Zimun is a Taka, Takana, uh, Medirabanan. Okay. So we have two opinions. Most likely, the majority view is Zimun was instituted by the rabbis. Now the question is, if that's true, when? And is it as simple as that? Was it just a takanav the chachamim, or is this Torah Sheval Peh? Maybe perhaps this is a halacha l'moshem misinai, and that's what the Ravad would mean when he says that it is, it is a deoraita. Or that's what the Tosefta would mean when it says that it is Minha Torah. The early history of Zimun is practically non-existent. We don't have anything earlier than the Tosefta or the, or the Mishnah. No historical corroboration we don't have from non-Jewish sources. We just don't have any uh, uh, way to corroborate this ritual that the Jewish people would do before Birkat HaMazon. It's a very, you know, it's one of those cultural nuances that that happen, like it might, you might find in another source that the Jews bless before they eat or the Jews bless after they eat, but it would be, it's very nuanced to record details like this that they also do a zimun. So we don't really have any uh, corroborating sources to teach us more about the history of when zimun became a takana de Rabbanan or when it developed. So this is a lot lacking here in the early history of zimun, and I don't, I'm not aware of even any secular research that was done into the early origins of this ritual practice. So be that as it may, we are, we are going to learn only the Mamare Chazal uh, regarding uh, the, the Zimun tonight. Now, interestingly, the, the Mabit, the, the Kiryat Sefer, uh, one of the, uh, the, the early Achronim, he has an interesting suggestion. And I, I really like this because the idea is very, it's a very clever resolution, which is that perhaps the the Zimun is Mideoraita, but only when you have 10 people. When you have 10 people, it becomes a Davar Shebekdusha. It becomes a, a holy thing which has to be said because you have to say the Shem Hashem. And when it's 10 people, that's a Deoraita. But if it's three people or more, up to 10, that would only be a Chiyuv Dirabanan, which I find to be a very interesting idea. None of the Rishonim say this, however, it is a very nice resolution because it's sensible to say that something which is a Davar Shebekdusha would be required, just like it says, that we would be required to, um, we would be required to respond to a Dabar Shebekidusha. Okay, so now, whether it's a Dirabanan, whether it's a Doraita, the Rishonim, both the Ravad and the Chinuch and many others, say the very same ideas. What is the function of the Zimun? Why do we have a Zimun? And so the basic idea that most of them suggest is that it's, a way of alerting 
each other and alerting the companions that a person has that are eating with him in order to say Birkat HaMazon with Kavana. And in the time of the Amoraim and earlier, it was very common that only one person would bench and everybody else would listen and have Kavana along with him and not say the words by themselves. And this was almost like a, uh, an alert, I don't want to call it a warning, but to make people attentive to listen to the Birkat Hamazon. Rashi calls it Lehizdamein, also to prepare everybody that we're about to begin, to begin uh, Birkat Hamazon. So the function seems to be very clear, that this is a way of grouping everybody together. However, if you think about it, it is specifically when we eat bread, or when we're eating a suda that contains bread, that is when we say Birkat HaZimun. It's not, at least according to virtually all the shitot, we, we don't say Birkat HaZimun if you're, saying any other, if you're eating any other food. It has to be a suda with bread. So why specifically a suda with bread? So the Ritva says in his Halachot of Brachot at the end of the Chidushe uh, HaRitva in Brachot, he says that bread is different than the other uh, foods halachically. Because when you... For example, say a uh, when you say bori priya eis or bori priya daman, you eat any other food. If a person wants, he could walk away and say the bracha chrona elsewhere, at least bidiavad for sure. A person does not have to return to where he said the bracha rishona in order to say the bracha chrona. However, by bread, everyone is bound to returning to this location. Where you said the bracha rishona, you have to say the bracha chrona. So if three people come and they dine together and they say the Birkat HaMotzi, they all have to sit together and they have to say the Zimun together and they have to say Birkat HaMazon in that same spot. They are not allowed to divvy up. They're not allowed to separate unless it's an Ones, you know, some Sakana, but they're not allowed to separate once they get together and they eat bread together. They have to also bench together. And so once you have that uh, halachic construct, you create a tziruf, you create the ability for them to, to, uh, to combine and they become one unit and one group. So it is specifically by an area where we have three Jews combined that the Chachamim saw it appropriate to place this obligation of zimun. Now if you stop and think about that, this is a unique thing to Halacha, because typically when we think about uh, the kahal, we think about a communal uh, ritual or yeah, any form of a non-private uh, liturgy or non-private ritual, we typically, at least in Jewish thought, think about it in terms of at least 10 men. Typically, if there's 10 men, you, you have to therefore stick together, you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to leave and make it nine, you have to daven together. But Zimun is unique in that regard, and that you don't need ten men. It could be three men, it could be three women, it could be three avadim. You don't have to um, have three, you don't have to have ten men in order to make this chiyuv of Zimun. And perhaps that idea really is more of a theological idea which is brought into the halacha, which if you, if, you take a little, if you zoom out a little bit, that this is more of an overarching idea. If you have three Jewish people who, are, uh, who have bound themselves to one another, you have three, three or more Jewish people who have become a unit, whether they're stuck together on a ship, whether they're, they're, on, a, they're on a business trip, whatever it is, if there's a, a group, not two people, but, a th- but three people or more of Jewish people together, they become responsible in their avodat Hashem one to another. So they are not allowed to separate, meaning that even if we're doing something mundane, if we're eating or we're traveling or whatever, but if we're Jewish people who are together and we are you know, bound one to another, we can't go anywhere and we've, we've accepted that we have to be together for this duration of time, then once we're in that situation, we are responsible, not just me and you, but I and we, right? Every person, the, the, the group has, a, has, a, has a, a, uh, a responsibility to the individual, and the individual has a responsibility to the group, not just in the mundane, but also in their avodat Hashem. So this is a very interesting idea that Chazal are, are teaching us, that you can't just bench alone. You can't, you, if you have three people or more, you may not 
bench alone. You have to bench together. You have to pray together. It's a very, very interesting idea. In as much as that it's not a Davar Shabbat Kedusha, but we still have this liturgical responsibility one to another, and we don't relegate it to private prayer once we have three or more people, men or women. Again, women and men do not, they do not combine together for tznuyut reasons, but otherwise women on their own are allowed to say zimun if there are three or more women, and three or more men must say zimun. Okay. A little bit further. So now, the Mishnah on Daf Memtet Amudbet continues with more of the halachot of Zimun. And again, there are many, many halachot of Zimun. Um, I wish I was an expert in this, but I, at the moment, I'm not an expert in all the halachot of Zimun. If one wants to see and learn, and Chaz are all the halachot, they're in, they're in uh, Orachayim Kufzadi, I think Zayin until Reish Bet or something like that, uh, in that area. And But the halachot of Zimun here that the Mishnah brings are important for the historical development of, uh, of the Zimun, which is why I want to just look next at this Mishnah. Memtet Amulbet, at the bottom here. Let's see. Beautiful. Okay, I'll share my screen once more. Okay. So the way most people are familiar with Zimun is that it goes as follows. You know, you have a leader. We choose amongst ourselves a leader, whether it's the Kohen or the most educated or, you know, somebody, the oldest person, something like that. Somebody is going to be chosen as the leader to lead the Birkat Mazon. And today, everybody reads t- together. So the leader will say, And everybody will reply, Right? So says the Mishnah, this is, this represents some early, earlier halachic development to, in the time of the Tanaim as to how the zimun should be done. If there's three people, you say If there's three people on him, right? So instead of saying we should bless, you say you should bless because three people on him means that even without me you could be otzeh. So there's four people. You say vuhu amar barchu. if there's ten people, omer nevarech alokenu. omer barchu. Right? We we paskin that we don't say barchu at all. Uh, we just say nevarech, uh, as the Gemara says later. But uh, this is the Mishnah speaking. Uh, where are we? Asara vechad echad asara vechad asara ribo we say, meaning we always say Then he says, if it's uh, ten thousand, sorry, I'm sorry, where am I here? So if there's a hundred people, you say Hashem If it's a hundred and him, you say Barhu Hashem Ube'elef, if it's a thousand, hu amer nevarech l'ashem alokeinu, alokei Yisrael. Be'elef, hu, then you say baruchu, you say the same thing, you just say baruchu. Biribo, with ten thousand, omer nevarech l'ashem alokeinu, alokei Yisrael, alokei tzvakot, yoshev ha-kiruvim. Alamazon she'achal, you say a very long version. Biribo, hu, you say the same thing, but with baruchu. Kinyan shehu mevarech, kach onim achrav. Right, so they would reply, "Baruch Hashem Alokin Alkeis Alokeis Zevakot Yosef Akurvim Alamazon Shachanu." So a very long and elaborate version, if you have ten thousand people. Biosi Aglili Omer Lefirov Akal Heim Mevarachim Shnemar Bemakhelot Baruchu Alokim Hashem Mekori Yisrael. So he brings the pasuk and tilim to support the first part of the Mishnah, which says that if there's different numbers of people, you have a different girsa. So if there's ten people, you say Nevarech Alokenu. If there's a hundred, you say Nevarech Hashem Alokenu, etc. Rabbi Akiva Omer Amar Rabbi Akiva disagrees. He says, no, just like in the Beit HaKnesset, we say Baruchu no matter what. You don't say Nevarech or Baruchu Hashem Atavarach. We always say Baruchu. So, so too. Um, one second. No matter what, we should also say Nevarech um, and we should never change. Now, the Halacha is, the Gemara comes out, that we only change between 3 and 10. So, if there's, if there's we're always going to say Nevarech, uh, we're not going to be more elaborate than that, but we do say and that's the halacha lemaaseh. So we could see that already in their times there was some 
uh, development as to exactly what the Nusach should be. It is strange, though, and the, the, the Marsha, um, I'm not sure if I was ready to, let's see this. Right, so it is a little bit strange, though, to have that kind of, um, what's the word, exactitude, where it says, let's say you have 100 people, but if it's 101 people, you say Baruch Hu, or if it's 1,000 people, and if it's 1,001 people, you say Baruch Hu. So the Marsha over here says that the opinion, uh, there's a disagreement here, which is a little bit more than just uh, halachic between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Aglili. There's even a, a sort of mystical disagreement here, or, or even a, uh, I don't want to call it, not just mystical, but also a logical disagreement. Rabbi Yossi Aglili understands that every, from the, from the Pasuk of Bimak Helot, that, that, uh, that the Jewish people praise Hashem in, in different levels of groups, that every single increase in number has its own significance. So if you have 10 people, that has one significance. If you have 100, it has a, a whole newfound significance. And 1,000 people is a newfound significance. However, Be'ekiva holds that when it comes to uh, these types of numbers, Kabbalistically, everything is decimal, right? There's mul multiplications of 10. And the root of all of these numbers is 10. 100 is 10 tens. You know, 1,000 is 10 one hundreds. When it's always going to be a, an exponent of 10 that these systems are built upon. And therefore, because the Shoresh, or the root of all of these higher numbers, is also 10, therefore, Be'akiva holds, we should always say, Nevarech Elokeinu. So what the Marsha is trying to hint at is that there's a machloket here, Kabbalistically, precisely how to construct uh, the the bracha of Birkat Tazimun, when we say Baruch Elokeinu, that is the bracha, so how exactly to construct this mystically? And we can see that it is a form of mystical prayer, especially when he uses, when, when this Tanoic language is to say, the God of the legions in heaven, Yoshev HaKuruvim, he who sits upon the Kerubs, Alamazon Shachanu. Did somebody just ask something? Okay, sorry. Um, okay. So we see the Gemara says both Baruch and Nevarech, and the, the Gemara is going to discuss here, Amar um, Shmuel on the bottom here, right? We paskin like that, according to Shmuel. A person should never say Baruchu because it sounds like he's not including himself, so he should always say Nivarech, at least when it comes to benching, and that's how we paskin. Okay. However, it's not that simple. So, although we have this Gemara that says you should say Nivarech Shachanami Shalom, we all know that the Minhag is not like that. The Minhag today is to introduce with something else, like Rabbi Samuel Benchen or Havlan Benedich Malkala Kedisha, right? We have a different way of introducing the Zimun. There was the Minhag Italia, for example, and other Minhagim, which were simpler, right? There were, uh, I think even, uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, there's a couple of Nusra'ot which actually did not do this. They specifically did not add the Rabbi Samuel Benchen. I don't have it open in front of me now, but I know for sure the Italian Nusach uh, was like that. One second, let's see, let's see if I could find it uh, immediately. I cannot, I don't think. Okay, I'll find it an another time. But the, the dominant minhag is to say, is to begin with Harbaisim of Benchen or to begin with Havlan Venibrich Makalakidisha. So where does this all come from? So let's start. Let's look at, we have to look at two places to see this. One is Gmaram Psachim, and the other is a Zohar. Let us travel here to the Gemara in Psachim. Bear with me one second. I did not prepare this quickly enough. Sorry, it's Psachim Kufkim Olam uh, 103. Uh, 103, I'm sorry about the wait. It's, you know, it's easier than bringing up six farm at least. Okay. This is a Gemara with two Talmidim of Rav who were sitting together. Here we go. I'll just read it outside instead of sharing the screen because it'll be a little faster. Where are we? OK, 
Here we go. Amarle ana it's at the bottom of Kufkimol Medalev. Right there, Rav Bruna and Rav Hananel, who are both Tamidim of Rav, were sitting in a Suda. Okay. Kai, um, they, hold up, I have to switch pages. Kai Alayu Rav Yeva Savar. Yeva Savar, Yeva the Elder, was standing with them. Amarle, they said one to the other, Havlan v'nivrich, come, let's bench, in Aramaic, right? That's Havlan v'nivrich is in Aramaic, it means come, let's bench. L'sof amrulei havlan v'nishti. But then afterwards they told him, they said, okay, you know what, instead of bringing Havlan v'nivrich, according to Rashi, means not just uh, come and let's bench, it also means bring the, the kos of yayin for Birkat Tamazon so we could bench. And then they changed their mind, you know what, let's drink that, that cup of wine now and we'll bench later. Amarluhu Rivieva Saba told them, Hachiamarav. Wait, Rav said, once you said it's time to bench, it is Asur to drink, my because you made a Hesechadat, because you uh, you know you you've already made a Hesechadat from the Suda, so you're no longer allowed to drink, and many Rishonim understand that to mean that you can no longer eat either, and therefore um, therefore they should not be able to change their mind and continue with the meal, they have to go to the Zimun uh, section. All right, so we see this language of Havlan v'nivrich, the come let's bench, in the Gemara Sachim. The Zohar takes this language and he goes a little bit further. So let me read to you the language of the Zohar. The Zohar says that it's important to say Havlan v'nivrich before benching. Why is that? Let me just read to you. So there was a meeting of two uh, Tanaim. You had uh, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yitzchak, uh, at least in the story that the Zohar says. And there was a child that came to them and began uh, speaking Devrei Torah. And so they suspected that this child was not an actual child, that it was really a Malach. So he says, I believe that this child is not human. They were eating, and this child was speaking in the Torah. Amru, and then when they finished the meal, they said, or depends on, on how you read the, the Zohar. Amar the child said, You said well, that you should begin with Havlan v'nivrich. Because the... Hashem, the, the, the Shekhinah, does not uh, receive its bracha the, of this berchat zimun only with another hazmanah before it. What the Zohar is saying is that yes, zimun is a hazmanah, an invitation, a, a uh, alert to your companions that you're about to bench. But before the zimun, you need to do another zimun. Remember that. The Arbaisim the, the Revelan Benchin and the Havalim Revrich is a zimun in front of the zimun. Why is that? Patach v'amar, he explained by, by bringing the pasuk in Tilim. Avarachat Hashem bechol et, tamit yilato b'fi. V'chi ma'chama David, and what did David HaMelech see to say, Lomar avarachat Hashem, that I shall bless Hashem. Ela hama David ba'i hazmana. David HaMelech saw that it requires hazmana. V'amar, and therefore he said, Avarecha, begin de b'sha'atad v'anashativ al pitorah, shechinta kaimat haman, v'sitrach ra kaimat haman. Because he saw that the Shekhinah is at the table of a Jewish person who is um, uh, who is eating uh, his meal. He doesn't, because, I think he's learning, because it didn't say Baruch Hashem, he saw, um, he said, let's, I will bless, instead of saying Baruch Hashem, instead of, or Baruch Hu, instead of saying Hashem is blessed, he says, I will bless, meaning I will uh, start a blessing together with friends, I suppose. That was the, the drashah. Teaches us that David Melech realized that the Shekhinah is present and he shouldn't speak it, speak about it like Baruch Hashem. He should speak about it more imminently that the Shekhinah is right here at the meal. And then, I don't really understand this 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 idea, but he's saying that the Shekhinah is there and the Sitra Achra is there and when a person does the Zimun, 
the uh, what the the sorry not the zimun but the first zimun. What happens is is that he subdues the sitrachra and he only allows the shechina to 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 give the blessing from that meal to that meal. Basically, the shechina is there waiting for the bikat hamazon to give blessing. The sitrachra, the other side, whatever that is, wants to go and snatch and steal some of the blessing that's coming, and uh, the extra zimun subdues the sitrachra. Uh, and then he says, he explains, Okay, so then actually there's a little more to the Zara here, but I don't have it in front of me. The Zara asks why, okay, so very nice. So you have this subjugation of the Sitarachra, so why do I need it two times? And so he explains that there's two levels of subjugation one has to do, different levels of the Sefirot. Uh, really Pratsufim that a person has to subjugate and therefore according to the Zohar there has to be uh, because of the subjugation of the Sitra Achra there has to be a second Zimun a first, sorry not a second but a prior Zimun before the regular Zimun this is the Mekar for the Sephardic custom to begin the Zimun with Havlan Benivrich and this is where, where that specific custom comes from However, earlier than the Zohar, meaning earlier than the writing of the Zohar, I, I don't, we won't get into the discussion tonight, but there's, there's two opinions as whether the Zohar is either pseudepigraphic fiction or whether it is, uh, whether, whether it is a, a real work of the Tanaim. But it, regardless, everybody agrees the Zohar was first written in the 13th century. But earlier than the 13th century, we have a 12th century uh, uh, testimony that something similar to this introduction existed, and that is in the Orchot Chaim from Rabbi Aaron Milunil, of Aaron from Lunel. And over there he says, and this was also obviously quoted later in the Kolbo, which is just a, you know, an abridged version of the Orchot Chaim, he says that it's Derech Musar, this is on page Ein Gimel, it is a Derech Musar for the person who is going to lead the benching to say Birshut That is the language of the Chotchaim. You have to, if you're going, if you're among people who are greater than you, you're among your Rebbeim, you're among your greater colleagues, it is only Derech Eretz, he calls it Derech Musar, for a person to say Birshut Morai The Shibole Haleket takes this a step further. The Shibole Haleket is aware of this Minhag as well. And he brings a long Tishuvah from Rav Haigaon, and I'm not actually sure how, how much of this is Rav Haigaon himself speaking, how much of it is not. But he brings this to Shuvah, and he compares the Zimun to the, the uh, what's the word? The appointing of Bitzalel upon the uh, building of the Mishkan. So there's a Gemara in Brachot, Afnunhei, where it says, Amr Bitzchak, Ein ma'amidin parnas al hatzibur, ela imkein imlachim b'tzibur. Right? We do not appoint an official for the community unless he was voted, right? He was decided by the community itself. Shin Amar, as the Pasuk says by Bitzalel, Kara Hashem b'shem Bitzalel. Hashem called in the name of Bitzalel. Amar lo kadosh baruch Moshe. Hashem told Moshe. Moshe, haguna lecha Bitzalel. Moshe, do you think Bitzalel is a good choice? Amar lo, he said to him, Rabbono shalolam, im lefanecha hagon lefanei lo koshkein. Hashem, if you chose Bitzalel, of course I believe Bitzalel is a good choice. Amarlo, afapi ken lecha amur lehem, lecha amur lehem. Halach v'amar lehem liyisrael, haguna lechem b'salav. Hashem said, even so, go ask Klai Yisrael. He went to Klai Yisrael and he said, do you think B'Tzalel is a good choice? Amrulo, Klai Yisrael said, im lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu v'lefanecha hu hagun. If according, if you if you and Hashem think that he is a good choice to be the builder of the Mishkan, lefanenu l'koshken, don't we also... Uh, wouldn't we also uh, definitely believe that Patel is an excellent choice to lead the, 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 the building of the Mishkan? So on this vein, says the Shibole Haleket, Birshut Rabotai is a request from your peers, right? right? I don't know if, basically he's asking his peers, do I have Rashut from you to begin the Birkat HaMazon? Do I have permission from you, my companions, to say the Birkat Mazon? And they reply, Birshut Shamayim. So the other two people say, Hashem gave you a shoot, we give you a shoot. 
כלומר, לכך אנו מסכימים שיסכימו מן השמיים שנאה והגון עתה לפנינו מברך ובוצע. So that he should, uh, and therefore he should begin the bracha. This is a beautiful thing. The early, this is probably the early, at least the earliest source I found. If it is part of the, the Chufav of Hai Gaon, it is indeed uh, really, really old. However, what it's saying is, is that although the Svaradim today say it in a shorthand, they just say Shemayim, what it's really saying is Birshut Shemayim. Because when you say Hashem Yimachem, or when you say they are replying that yes, we appoint you to lead the Rekat HaMazon because Shemayim is also allowing you, and therefore once Shemayim allows you, we will appoint you as well. All right. Now, we just saw this Zohar speak about, learn out this introduction to the Zimun from the Pasuk and Tehilim of Arachat Hashem Acholei Tamid Telatobifi. So the Sfaradim will begin with Avarachat Hashem Acholei Tamid Telatobifi. Sof Tavar Akol Nishma Et Elohim Yirav Esvotav Shemol Kizek Ol Adam Tila Tashem Yidavipi Vivar Yechol Asashem Kotsho Olam Ve'ed Va'anachnu Barechkam Ha'atav Adolam Haluluka Right? Roughly five Pesukim before they begin the Zimun itself. So this actually comes from the Shara Kavanot of the Arizal. The Arizal, Chaim Vital says as follows, the Gemara says that tekef l'netila bracha, if I'm, if I'm quoting it correctly, that directly after a person does ma'im they're supposed to start Birkat Tamazon. There shouldn't be any hefsek between ma'im and Birkat Tamazon. And the Rav Chaim Vital brings a story. He said a person came to the Arizal. Uh, he was there. He witnessed it. A person came to the Arizal with a with a, a lot of pain in his shoulder. And the Arizal looked at him for a minute and he told him, "You made a hefsek between Ma'im and Berkat Hamazon because the Mishnah says Tekef Tila, and you switched around the order and Tekef turned into Katef." which is shoulder, and that's why your shoulder is hurting you. Rav Chaim Vital doesn't say the end of the story. He doesn't say if the Rizal was able to cure him or, or whatever. However, it is a fascinating story. But he says, and even so, even though you're not allowed to do hafsik between Maim Achronim and, uh, you're not allowed to do hafsik between Maim Achronim and uh, Birkat Hazimun, still these Pesukim you should say, because, you know, my, 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 my teacher, the Arizal, said you should say these Pesukim, uh, which is from the Tsar, etc., and they're not considered to have sake because they're part of uh, they're part of the Zimun ritual, ritual itself. Okay, now the dominant minhag today, as far as I know, um, I don't think there's any minhagim that do this differently. Maybe uh, I'll double check later, but I don't think this is the minhag. Is that the leader will say, uh, let's say. Uh, I'm sorry, I glossed over the obvious fact that the uh, the Magen Avram says that the in German in in, in Yiddish the, the Jews would say Rabbi Sai Mirvel invention, which which is exactly the same thing as Havlan Vinivrich. The Magen Avram says the Ashkenazim instead of saying Havlan Vinivrich say Rabbi Sai Mirvel invention. But okay, then after Rabbi Sai Mirvel invention, they say Hishem Hashem Varech. But this all comes from the Zayar. Okay, so now after that, the leader will say Nevarech Shachanu Mishelo Nevarech Shachanu Mishelo. Um, and everyone will say, So here we go. Give me a second. Let me open the Siddur here. Okay. So in some of the older Siddurim, there was a minhag that the leader would say, And everyone would reply, in other words, he would also say, the leader would also begin with Uftubal Chayinu. This actually goes way back, most likely, because it is it seems to be written in the Behag. The Behag was the Shimon Kayara, one of the poskim who lived in the era of the Geonim. And in the Behag, in Halacha, in Perek Zion, I believe, in Hilchot Brachot, he seems to say that the leader says Uftuvo Chayinu as well. The Rambam, Shulchan Aruch, Tur, all the Rishonim are clear that the leader should not say Uftuvo Chayinu. However, it seems from the Behag that that was their Minhag. The Maharshal says that his Minhag was as well. The Maharshal also says his Minhag was to say Uftuvo Chayinu. And he says it's also sensible because it makes it sound, it doesn't say in a which could somewhat sound like you're blessing your host instead of blessing Hashem. 
So uh, that was his minhag. The Bach and the Maharal rejected outright. They say one should not. Uh, the Maharal completely decreed against no one should ever, you know no one should keep this minhag, and therefore. Um, the dominant minhag today is to reject that, and the leader says nevarech shachanu mishlo, and he does not say uftuvo chayinu. Lastly, this is I promise the last thing we'll discuss is shehasimcha b'mo'ono. Now, if there is a groom present, right? If this is the uh, the berkat chatanim, we say baruch uh, elokenu. Usually, you have a minyan, so you'll say baruch elokenu. And then everybody replies, So where does that come from? Why do we say that, that the joy is in God's holy uh, realm, right? Me'on is like a holy realm. This comes from a Gemara in... Um, in Kitubot, Davchet Amur Aleph, a story with Rav Ashi, where Rav Ashi makes a distinction between Panim Chadashot and non-Panim Chadashot, and it says where there is no Panim Chadashot, Rav Ashi would say Shasimcha Bimono in the Zimun, and he would say the Barachav Asher Bara. So that's the first source for it, and then the Poskim later assume that you know what he's talking about, and this Minhag uh, was just assumed and understood across all the poskim that by Berkat Nisuin we should say Shehasimcha Bima'ono. So the Abu Durham, um, you know, at first I should really discuss the Shittah Mekuvetzat. The Shittah Mekuvetzat gives two pshatim to what Shehasimcha Bima'ono means. The first pshat he brings is, uh, here, Rav Ashi, let me do the Shittah. The first one is, the first pshat he says, is that in the realm of that he brings from the Tamidei Rabbeinu Yonah, he says that in Hashem's realm there is no such thing as sadness. In Hashem's realm there is only joy, and therefore when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the Simchat Chatan Mekala, we mention that Hashem has true Simcha Shleima in in His Meon, and that is why we say Shasimcha B'Meono. That in the holy realms there is only true there is true and only joy. Um, okay, and then he brings another pshat that he quotes from the Geonim. This pshat is kind of interesting. He says that the there were malachim. This is a midrash, sort of a midrash he's bringing. There were malachim in the realm of heaven called maon. Those angels, those those uh, singing angels, those servicing angels, which exist in the realm of maon. They were the ones who brought the the chasana meal, right? The the, the sudat chatan to Adam Harishon when he married Chava. Therefore, therefore, just like the Gemara Chagiga says that in the realm of Maon are the Malachi Hasharet. Therefore, when we marry a woman, Omrim we say That is what I found in the commentaries of the Geonim. And the Abu Dharam says similarly that that Meon is the place of this of the, the angels of joy, and therefore we say because Meon is a place of the joy of of the angels that sing with joy. So that is the reason we say those words in particular. Okay. One more drop that most Svaradim will not be familiar with, ironically, even though this is originally a Spanish minhag, is a piyut. There's this old, old, old Spanish piyut, which the, uh, the Svaradim today do not say, but the Ashkenazim will. And this is the piyut of Divai Haser Vigam Haron. This piyut was written by Donash Ibn Labrat, the famous early grammarian and poet. His name is uh, acrostically formed in Dalid, uh, Vav, Nun, Shin. So let me just read the piyut to you. Divai uh, haser, right? Remove the, the pain, vegam haron, and also the, the wrath uh, from, from your nation. Ve'az ilayim b'shir And then even uh, the mute will sing with joy, right? Bnei Yisrael will be able to, to sing with joy. Nechenu uh, b'magalei tzedek, right? Uh, guide us in the the the, the righteous way. Ushe'eh berkat b'nei shurun and turn to the blessing of berkat hamazon 
of your sons of, of Israel. Bnei Aharon, uh, Shurun, uh, Aharon. And then specifically also the Kohanim. Most likely specifically the Kohanim because you're appointing a Kohen to do the... Uh, you're appointing a Kohen to do the, the Zimun. So I did find... Uh, some somebody claims at least on Wikipedia that there was in that in the Cairo Geniza they found the longer form of this piyut that it's really not just a short uh, uh, not a not a short ode but it has a much much longer uh, rest of it and this is the only part of it which survived. Legend also has it that Donash wrote this not just as an introduction for the Zimun of a wedding but he wrote this to grieve the loss of his daughter who was supposed to marry or be Nisim Gaon. However, she died before the, the marriage could take place, and therefore he wrote this as a, uh, as almost like a eulogy of sorts to his daughter, and perhaps perhaps one of the families involved was were Kohanim, but Devai Haser Vegam Charon Vazilem Yaron was basically, please remove the Tsar of the Galut from, your Jewish, from the Jewish people, and then we will sing uh, with much greater with much greater joy. So I did not actually find the uh, hard sources for that. Although a lot of those were paper books that were printed 20 years ago I did not actually have access to. So Bezat Hashem, um, that concludes our study of the introductions. Um, we didn't have time, we're running out of time, but there's also a piyut, which Ashkenazim say, but we, there's, the author is unknown for uh, Brit Milah. And there are other variations for the Zimun. People add all sorts of things. Bishut Morai Barabotai, you know, Bishut Malkai Lakadisha. You'll say a Bishut Shabbat Malkita. All of these things just developed and evolved over the generations. So many of the variations you're familiar with in the Zimun developed over the generations as different idiosyncrasies of every culture and every country. However, and it would be exhaustive and to, to, to really cover every single word or aspect, that we, but we definitely did cover all the halachic and main. Uh, and all the main uh, aspects of the Zimun tonight. So Bezrat Hashem, next week we will continue with the Birkat Hazan, uh, which is also obviously the actual text of the Birkat Hazan. So thank you everybody for your patience and endurance, and Bezrat Hashem next week we'll continue uh, further.